Hey everybody, it's time for another Reality Breach Local Spotlight. This is a special episode uh, with local scientist and humanitarian Bilal Kizildosh. He's responsible for Are You Hungry and Easy Kale. This turned into such a great interview. Robert and I could not be happier. Bilal's energy is infectious. Enjoy. We are recording. Robert Morris. Okay. okay, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please, please um, get ready for one of the best episodes that you're ever going to listen to. One of the most informational, did I say that right? Informational episodes that you're ever going to listen to. This gentleman that is, that, is, that is sitting with us today in the house with Morris is one of the humblest gentlemen I've ever met in my life. This man is working his ass off to to have us to make to let just let us have a healthier lifestyle. He is traveling the country. He is feeding homeless people. He is creating things out the wazoo. He's got so many things and patents. It's just like reading the DC comics. And trying to get the story right. Because there's so many different things that's coming into it. It's like the Watchmen coming in. It's like Rorschach coming in. The Dr. Manhattan manipulating everything. This man is amazing. Okay? Stamp of approval by the world. Can you dig it? Never lost. 78 championships. Ladies and gentlemen. I hope I don't mess up his last name. Bilal Kazilbash. How you doing, brother? Good. How you doing today, brother? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm also here with the man that... Created Reality Breach, Sergio Lugo. Yeah, I'm here too. How you doing, Sergio? <laughs> hey guys, I'm doing good. You doing great? <laughs> Got a little throat thing, so I'm going to sound weird this episode, but that's cool. That's cool, man. You have on a uh, really cool Juggernaut shirt. Yeah. Got yeah. it in the mail today. Okay, look at you. Fancy. Get, buying, buying stuff online. You too, too good to go to a store, buy all my stuff online. That's true. I am. I am you are? I, yeah, if I could get steaks just delivered to my house, uh-huh. I can. You can technically. That's possible. I'm gonna start ordering my toilet paper through Amazon. You can do that. Yeah, you can. <laughs> well, my gosh, I thought Kroger was bad. <laughs> that takes everything to a whole new level. A whole new level. <laughs> the first thing I want to talk about, Bilal, is your. You are the founder of Are You Hungry? Sure, that's a very official title. I'm just a man trying to make a difference. That's all. <laughs> can you describe? Can you describe? Are you hungry? To, Absolutely. To the listeners? Sure. Are you hungry? Is a program where we basically feed the poor uh, every week, and we do it here in Jackson, Mississippi, as well as in New York, and we're expanding. We're basically franchising humanity for free. So the way I would spell it is letter R, letter U, hungry. And we first started calling it that because we ended up finding out a lot of the homeless can't read. And when we discovered that, we saw them texting. And we're like, if you can't read, how are you texting? And they're like, are you there? Are you coming? So then we're like, are you hungry? Um, we got a lot of flack in the beginning because we were told it was unprofessional. It didn't matter to me because I'm like, you're not our core audience anyway. <laughs> right. As long as the people understand what we're trying to say and understand that we're giving out food for free, 
that's the most important thing. It was actually one of my friends who came up with the title, Are You Hungry? Um, Are You Hungry has now been absorbed into uh, as a program under our Draw a Smile Foundation, which is our official nonprofit. And the reason why we called it Draw a Smile because we're just trying to make a difference in the world, make uh, more people smile and happy, and also eventually try to eliminate poverty. So one of the things in our bylaws is that we put, we're in the business of putting ourselves out of business because we don't want to just be a perpetual nonprofit. So eventually, I have a lot of video games to play. So we need to shut this down. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is not even. This is just a tip of the iceberg. I told you this man is amazing. Um, Can you uh, describe? You telling me a story about um, one of your experiences um, in New York. Yes. Can you tell me that story and other stories that that sure. happened? Sure, absolutely. Um, so this actually I mentioned in my book in the second chapter. Uh, it's called the Dehumanized Human, and essentially at um, I shouldn't mention the fast food place, right? Yes. Um, I should. I shouldn't mention. It. Oh no! You, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. It wasn't Pig and Pine, so we're fine. It was not Pig and Pine. <laughs> yeah. It was a McDonald's, actually, in New York. I didn't mention it in my book, but it was a McDonald's. And there was a homeless man who came in, and he was asking for some food, some french fries. Even if it fell on the floor, he'll eat it. And basically, he said no. But on that particular day, there was a lady who cut across the entire line, basically shouting that her french fries had no salt. So uh-huh. they took the french fries from her, immediately threw it in the trash, when this guy, just before that, said he is extremely hungry. They made her a fresh batch of fries with salt and then gave it to her for free. Um, I was baffled and dumbfounded by what I saw, but that wasn't the best part. The best part was when the man sat in the corner away from everyone. The manager came and basically asked him to leave the establishment because he's disturbing the guests. He was not bothering anyone. Anyway, so I finally bought my food. I went over to the homeless man and the manager, gave the homeless man my receipt, and said that he is now a patron of the restaurant so he can eat comfortably. And as I was walking out, the manager chased after me and said he'll give me the same meal for free and he's sorry for the inconvenience. Now that puzzles me on so many levels because they're willing to give me the food for free but they won't give it to this man on t- on two separate instances one uh when the fries had no salt they could have at least been humble enough to say hey you could have this but no uh and also on top of that they gave him they wouldn't give him any food but they offered my entire meal for free again which is just like um Luckily, I'm well-fed, so (laughs) how does that make any sense? Right. Um, And then the link I shared with you also, which is going viral on Facebook, they're showing that, again, McDonald's was kicking out the homeless man. This happens way too often, and it's gotten to the point that many people have demonized the homeless to the point that they're afraid of them. I can tell you one time when I was traveling, uh, one time was in Canada, another time was in New York, and another time was in Virginia. Each time I gave one of the homeless uh, individuals some food, everyone was basically giving me crap, saying mm-hmm. that, you, you know, they're not really, you know, uh, interested in food. They're just out there scamming people. They make hundreds of dollars a day. See, people are afraid of poverty. So they try to justify it to themselves, like, why they're not going to give to that individual. So then they usually tend to be a little harsher than they normally would. Uh, normally would be and at that point when i gave these individuals food you won't believe how quickly they tore into it ate and then left so i can tell you many people were humbled by seeing that because uh, i'll never forgive one lady in canada she's like wow i thought he was out there hustling and once he got some food he put the sign down and walked away so 
it's mm-hmm. been an interesting ride dealing with poverty. And my hope is that poverty is becomes a thing of the past soon. Same thing with human suffering. So that's one of my famous taglines at this point that most people know me by from the deans of my school to <laughs> business partners. Uh, I usually end most conversations with maybe work together to help ease global suffering, but mm-hmm. starting locally. Wow. That slapped me in the in the soul. Um, can you describe? I remember us talking at chemistry one time. Yeah. And I was under the influence of the creature, and <laughs> you was smoking your hookah. And I think I started a rant, and I apologize for that. Yeah. Um, uh, you was telling me about um, your complications that you that you've had with the city, and how you had to move once or twice. Can you? Yeah. Talk about that. Uh, We're back at Smith Park right now. Um, Yeah, one of the things that happened with the city was kind of funny, and it just just shows to you how bureaucratic we've become Mm -hmm. as a society. Um, Basically, we were feeding uh, at Smith Park, even when they shut down for the construction, because that's where we've been doing that for over three years there. Now, at this point, we've hit over four, Mm -hmm. and we've been doing that every week so the homeless know to come there. So they would aggregate, and uh, we would have easily over 80 people per week that we were feeding at Are You Hungry Alone? That's not even including our other programs. Um, so we didn't want to just switch up locations because otherwise that throws people off because they, after coming for three-plus years, they're used, to, they're used to that location. Anyway, so um, we were told that we had to move Duke because we weren't allowed to feed over there unless we had a special permit. And then the city of Jackson was a little surprised because at one point they told us that um, – they didn't realize we've been feeding there for over three years. And I was like, well, well, yeah, because we clean up after ourselves. But then I was told, um, but I was told uh, actually that we could be causing the city to have unrealized costs. And I'm just like, what? Are you serious? Anyway, um, (laughs) so long story short, they asked us to move to Point Dexter Park. So we did. And we started feeding over there where our our numbers took a big hit at first. Um, So, because uh, what was really depressing to me is that a lot of the homeless were still showing up to Smith Park, and it took maybe about three weeks for them to get the transition. And some of them just told us that uh, Point Dexter Park was not a safe location for them. So many of them preferred not to go there at 6 p.m. Um, but we were there, rain or shine. Um, and actually, a lot of the times we would hear gunshots, but we would try and play it off as fireworks. Mm-hmm. Unless it got too close and we were like, okay, time to hit the floor. Anyway... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny? So um, the city, some of the city officials told me that, oh, it's incredibly insulting when you say Point Dexter is not safe. And it's not, first of all, the lights weren't on. It took like the longest time to get them to turn on the lights. But anyway, so we were serving food in the dark. Besides that, um, I told them, I said, if it's so safe, then come out and join us. Feed us. Uh, feed with us. The it's, entire it's, okay, time. Okay. Okay. Show up. Let me, let me digest this. Mm-hmm. This park isn't safe enough for homeless people. The homeless people themselves, actually, so in the very beginning, when we first started, so Are You Hungry, like I said, it's more of a movement. So when we first started, it was myself and five other students, and we were just, we saw uh, homeless people eating out of the trash. Like, I'll never forget it. This guy threw out his burger, this homeless woman went in after, and then basically took the same burger out of the trash and ate it. And I'm like, hold on, we're in a first world country. What's going on here? 
then we started with some pizzas and then eventually we were driving all over town trying to find the homeless and that was such a huge waste of time because it wasn't efficient so eventually what we started doing is that we started consulting with them and said okay instead of me coming and saying what's convenient for me because maybe i have time on mondays or something i said you guys tell us how can we help you best? What are the holes that you need us to fill? Mm-hmm. So that's when they told us, and they started teaching us a lot about the hustle and everything like that. So we didn't, we wouldn't get hustle, and also where the free food was being served. So Monday through Friday, they had basically regular food from different churches and nonprofits. However, on Fridays, almost all of them stopped serving at twelve noon. Why? I have no idea. Because it's um, Friday and everyone wants to go home. I guess. Because um, I, I, I didn't just take the word for it. I started digging a little deeper and I was like, huh, that, it turns out it actually, it actually is true. So over four years ago, we gave them our word saying that, okay, every Friday we'll be here at 6 p.m. Because so, also being students, we couldn't realistically do it every week or anything like that. And also, why duplicate services? That's a waste. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, every Friday we can be here and fulfill that need for you. We kept our word. So one of the key things that we did different is that a lot of people say, oh, when I get rich or when I finish medical school, when I do this, when I do that, they always set some kind of condition that they have to reach before they start helping people. And we said, screw that. We're just going to start helping from now. Um, and that's where we focus on just taking action. So our, one of our main slogans for Are You Hungry is do what you can when you can. So even sometimes when we don't, we run out of food, you still say a kind word and spread some smiles and such. So doing all that, it's just... So when, in that consulting with the homeless, because we used to go around to Battlefield Park, uh, Point Dexter Park, and a, a couple other parks. I can't remember where, but we used to go at night. And I'll never forget at Battlefield Park. <laughs> there was this SUV there parked at night, and I thought maybe they were sleeping in their car or something like that. And as I approached them with food, they kept driving away from me very slowly, and I didn't realize <laughs> what was happening. I was like, why won't they take the free food? And then later, the homeless told me not to go back there because a lot of drug deals happened there, and they said that uh, even though I'm trying to do a good thing, I'm probably going to get shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they also told me that they don't stay by Point Dexter Park. So it's really funny to me because a lot of these different church organizations and uh, other non-religious organizations all do these big events at Point Dexter, and while they have the media there, if you really pay attention, you won't see a lot of homeless people there. Mm-hmm. So one is that I was there. I attended one of the events because they invited me as the Are You Hungry guy. And they were like, I don't understand why there's not that many homeless. I'm like, you, I can tell you where the homeless are. I said, it's not a mystery. I said, go down to Smith Park. <laughs> yeah. So, and But at the same time, they were all, they were so busy having their bonfire and partying and you know, so much barbecue. They had actually so much food they were wasting it. So I drove over to Smith Park and I asked the homeless to go walk over there. So, I mean, how crazy is that? <laughs> Well-meaning intentions, but at the same time, uh, anyway, I won't get into that. But Not, not having the, the research to do, like, it doesn't matter if your intentions are good if you don't do them right. Well, yeah, well, not only that, the thing is that it's so simple. If you want to help solve the problem, Ask the people affected by it. It's so yeah, simple. Yeah, so it is that simple. It's, it's not rocket science. So, I mean, all I did... It is for some people. <laughs> <laughs> so all I did different is the people we were serving, I asked them a simple question. How can I help address your pain points? And they told us. So we... Because they told us that they don't even feel safe... Uh, at Point Dexter and these other parks, so they asked us, that's why they stay at Smith Park. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually an issue in the very beginning um, where 
the homeless were getting beat up by different groups coming from college. Because I'll never forget one night we went to serve the, our brothers and sisters and others at the park. And we kept hearing people running away and they were hiding in the bushes. And we couldn't figure it out. And one guy was injured. So he was trying to run, but he couldn't. And he was under the gazebo. And we're like, why was this dude so terrified? So I came up to him and I said, hey, are you hungry? And he's like flinching in fear. And he's like, what? And <laughs> we just gave him the sandwich. We sat there and I ate my tuna sandwich. My friends were eating. And the guy started crying, and he two, two things happened. One, he told us that he hasn't felt like a human in a long time. So he said the fact that we actually sat and ate with him, even though we were quiet, he said just the fact that we were in his presence eating made him feel human. The second part, and then he, he started opening up to us and told us how um, college kids were coming down there and basically from Alcorn and a couple of universities and basically beating them up. And it was part of an initiation or something. Um, and... I couldn't believe it. I said, this has to be some crazy nonsense or something like that. And they were like, no, actually, the police are aware of it. That's why the police asked them to sleep in the light so they mm-hmm. can check on them from time to time. Because that, well, that was another thing I found really fascinating because normally in most cities they'll harass the uh, homeless if they're in the park. But when I saw the police driving by, they were super. the Jackson police guys are super awesome mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, at least in that respect, they were very – they captured their humanity and were just checking on the homeless, making sure they're okay. And this is something – keep on because Jackson police officers get a lot of flack. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and, I, and I've, I've argued with people. So it's another JPS. They 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 do a good job. I've talked with um, um, Chief Vance before he retired. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen him in McDade's. Yeah. And just have conversations with him. And he's very approachable. Yes, and, and he's also open. a fan of our cancer research, kale cancer research. <laughs> Boom, there you go. Yeah. He's um really good. Every experience I've, I've, I've had with JP, the JPS. JPD. JPD. What'd I say? JPS. I'm thinking of the school for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you said school, and I'm thinking of school, but you, I, don't know, I got my, my, my um, thoughts got mixed up. Um, the JPD, it's always been a pleasant experience. Outside of Jackson, not so much. Mm-hmm. But inside of Jackson, I will, I will, I will, I will rather talk with a JPD officer any day of the week. Yeah, and, and you saying that I, I I didn't even know that because most cities the cops tell them to go on somewhere. Exactly. Well, that's where you'll get another thing. So, um, so, like I said, we've been doing this for a couple of years. And so when we first started in the very beginning, we had maybe five people we were feeding on the regular. Mm-hmm. Then words are spreading. Then numbers kept jumping to like. 30 and then 40 and then next thing you shot up to like 80 now we're feeding between 80 to 100 people a week um and those numbers keep increasing which depresses me like you won't believe because you start to see a lot of the same faces and you're like man i wish i could do more um and, and you know in addition to that some of the homeless actually they're no longer homeless so they get home and then they come back and volunteer how dope is that huh. um yeah actually we have one guy who comes by quite a bit um from time to time and he bring even though he has on he's on an incredibly tight budget he brought, buys one sweet tea that's all he can afford and mm-hmm. he brings that or a lemonade and he's <laughs> like you know I'm just giving back and it always drives me crazy when i hear some of the people from madison they just like you know you're you're contributing to the problem they're they're dependent now on what you're doing and I'm, like they speak from this very distant place and then i'm very direct with them to the point that i'm saying that you know it's easy to talk this way when your belly is full but when your belly is empty let's see how how quickly you judge others mm-hmm. we even had one guy actually come from madison one time in the very beginning and while he was feeding 
he berated some of the our homeless brothers and sisters where he basically said, well, how old are you? And one of the guys responded, I'm 23. He said, if I was your age, I'd be working my ass off. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I was in the middle of serving. I put my spoon down. I said, hold on, get over here. Told the volunteer, I said, no, 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 that's not going to work. I said, if you want to help us feed people, that's one thing. But I said, you're not going to insult them. That's not going to work. And uh, basically, I told him not to come back. And at that point, he confessed to me. And he said he's actually afraid himself of being homeless. He said, you know, uh, he has a terrible fear. He said, one of, one of those days, it could be him. And I'm like, if anything, that should make you nicer to them. Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah. um, instead, he said, I'll just donate cash. <laughs> you guys, he said, I can't get out here and feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, it's just weird to see that, that barrier that comes up so quickly, especially when it comes to homeless people. are just like, oh, you know, it's their own fault. And then next thing you know, they come to Are You Hungry? They see families with a father or mother or children. And they're like, oh, what happened there? And then they're like, oh, they must all be drug addicts. And actually, when you do find out one of the reasons why they are addicted to drugs, um, I'll never forget in the very beginning, um, this one homeless guy uh we gave him some food and after some food he asked for a little bit of money i gave him we gave him some money and uh then he's like he's going to spend it on drugs i don't know how i reacted i think i looked down or something i tried not to hide my reaction a little but i couldn't hide it and then he looked at me he said don't you judge me he said have you ever slept on the freezing cold floor at five degrees i told him no i have not he lifted his shirt and you could see his ribs clearly then he took off his shoes, showed me the fingers and toes uh, that he lost to frostbite. Um, and at that point, he explained to me that the drugs were cheaper than water. It was less He can get a drug for less than a dollar and he can knock him out for a day to two days. Um, he said it's sometimes even cheaper than the alcohol that he can get. And alcohol is very cheap. He told me apparently he can get, I think, a 40 ounce of alcohol for like a dollar. Mm-hmm. How insane is that? And then he was telling me uh, to get a small bottle of water. It's a dollar twenty-five from the gas station. Yeah, um, he's not wrong. Yeah, and he was telling me that these things are cheaper for them. And he said also it alters their mind state, so they don't have to deal with the pain that they're going through on a daily basis. Because I know he's in pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like I said, after that. <laughs> everyone realized oh wow uh, I didn't think of it that way and I'm like well it's not a matter of thinking that we, why have we not created a stable uh, environment to the point that right now most people that I speak to they view homes as an investment dude let's zoom back out it's a roof over your head we gotta get yeah. back to the yeah. basics but that's the problem we're no longer with that common sense logic where mm-hmm. a roof is no longer really viewed uh, sorry a house is no longer really viewed as a roof where we had a protection from the elements is viewed as this monetary investment and blah 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 equity blah. I mean come on when a tornado hits I don't really think anyone's thinking about the equity at that point in time the fact that they have a roof or they have a storm shelter they can run to but um, we have to get back to the basics because uh, I'll never forget, actually, one of the pastors we were talking to, he actually complained about the food that we were serving to the homeless. He said it was too fancy. And <laughs> I'll never forget it. So he said because we were giving him we, every week. So we serve kebabs and food from Aladdin. Uh, we also hired a professional chef, Alias for Catering. We also get food from Easy Fish and Chicken. We also get food from Salim Mookie. So they were like, why are you giving them all this? And they were like, you could just give them cucumber sandwiches. And I was like, so what is a cucumber sandwich? He said, take some white bread, put some cucumbers in it, that's it. So I looked at the, the pastor and I asked him, I said, would you eat that yourself? He's like, hell no. And the reaction he did so quickly and he caught himself. He's like, oh, uh, I mean, of course I would. 
What? No, mayonnaise, nothing. I'm like, come on, man. That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't I at said, all. would you eat that yourself? So one of the things that I'll never forget till this day, and, and because of that, the homeless have mm-hmm. so much respect for us and me. Um, I was at Subway eating a salad before I, we started doing Are You Hungry? So one of the homeless was walking by because he's making his way to the park. This is mm-hmm. the subway on High Street. He sees me, he comes in and gives me a handshake and uh, uh, he hugs me and he's like, Blah, how you doing? And I'm good. And he sees my salad. He said, hold on, you serve us all these fancy kebabs and everything, but you're eating a salad yourself? I said, yeah, well, I mean, it's healthy. It's good. <laughs> but he was just surprised. He's just like, you know, I thought you'd be, you know, partaking in it. I was like, well, the way how I like to function and the whole team, we like to feed you what we would eat ourselves on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So to us, it's not considered fancy food. It's considered human healthy food. So, I, I don't know. It's just odd how people sometimes they'll cut they'll cut corners for others, but not for themselves. Hmm. But with Are You Hungry, our ideology is different. So we'll actually do the opposite. We're going to give you something better than we'll eat on a daily basis. So <laughs> that's another thing that surprises a lot of people too. At, yeah. at the end of the day, food is food. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, the the homeless will never forget the day that we brought them four hundred dollars worth of. Uh, Philly che- Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. We wish we could do it more often, but uh, Man, we, we told we could. About a, a meal. Yeah. Oh, they were so happy. Oh, yeah. From Easy Fish and Chicken, <coughs> so tasty. Um, and also, sometimes we surprise them when we get a little extra donations. I rented an ice cream truck three times, so it would come down and they can all get free ice cream. So mm. we're we're really focused on the humanity aspect. That is that is amazing. Yeah. That is that is amazing. That that makes my heart happy, but it also brings out the petty side because all the other things like the pastor saying it, I kind of want to be like after this podcast. So who are these people's names? And where are <laughs> yeah, like, I, 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 I didn't anticipate this this episode making me so angry. Yeah. Oh uh, well, that's not my intention. No, 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 it's I not. Know. No, 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 it's I, not. I, I, it's I, not. I, it's, I know, I know, but it's you know those people exist. I hear those people talk. Mm-hmm. You know, on a monthly, weekly basis. Mm-hmm. But when you put it in the context of someone so close to the issue, yeah, and them still just blurting that shit out, mm-hmm. it it's infuriating. Yes, very much so. I agree. Oh, you're gonna enjoy this one then. This one makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget this one religious guy came out and basically had a bunch of cookies with him. So. As he was walking through Smith Park, one of the homeless basically asked for one of the cookies. The guy looked at him. He said, I'll pray for you. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was like, wait, what did, he, did this guy just say? And then he talked to me on the side. He's like, oh, you know, if God wanted to provide for him, God would have already made those means available to them. And I'm just like, wait, I'm sorry, what? He said, look, I'm sending him positive intentions and positive prayers. And he was telling me that what I'm doing is problematic because he said, you're making the problem worse in downtown Jackson. Basically, he said, now the homeless are getting comfortable, so they're just flocking to the area. And I'm like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I, where's did, the humanity Did in you this? just say you're making the homeless comfortable? Uh, he, that's what he said to me, yeah. Uncomfortable. And, and I told him, and I walked what? away from him. I got upset because I told him, I said, they can't eat your prayers. And he told me that was offensive. But it's well, true. Oh, okay. Okay. Leave. Eat your cookies. <laughs> eat your little cookies and go on somewhere. Uh, go, 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 go on your Facebook, take a selfie and say you was there. Well, that's also another funny thing that happens. So you have some of the other religious groups that come out there. Um, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. 
one of the homeless complained. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, this group came out and they brought one pizza, but then they took all these photos of us without asking the homeless permission, by the way, mm -hmm. plastered their faces all over Facebook. And then on Facebook, they said that they brought out multiple pizzas and the homeless guy was like, they lied. He said, I was there. He said, they put my face on Facebook without my permission. He said, now everyone knows I'm homeless. I'm like, wow. First of all, you're doing – in your charity work, don't embarrass people. That's right. one of the big things that we're uh, very big on. That's why we don't take so many pictures and stuff like that because we – poverty is a point in time. You don't always want to remember that for the rest of your life. When you mm -hmm. capture that photo, that's a permanent reminder of the struggle you went through. Yeah. I've met a lot of people here in the South that talk about testimonies. I still don't fully understand what it is because they keep talking about this is your testimony. Up North, I never really heard of such a thing. Mm -hmm. But they were like, because one woman was telling us how she used to do some bad things and then now she's saved. And then another woman told us something similar. She used to be homeless, but now her testimony is this. And all these people making all these testimonies, I don't really see them doing much about it. So I was like, if it really affected you so much, wouldn't you be out doing more? <laughs> I mean, right. But, but anyway. Or at least helping in the area to prevent it happening i guess uh it's just the human nature i guess people like to talk more versus uh, doing more and that's one of the key things that we focus on talk less and do more action so even though with are you hungry only what you've seen is us feeding the homeless but we do more than that so we would buy groceries for families and i would personally deliver it i mean yeah out of the thousands of people we, we helped, I've had some very unique characters. I would say maybe a total of four people have given me issues. Like one lady was saying, oh, can you bring me food from Moe's and then, uh, you know, bring some pizza from Salamuki's? I'm like, this is before the days of waiter. I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, this is when I was doing research in the lab, and I'm like, I have to go back and do my research. I'm not a delivery service company. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not a waiter. <laughs> but hey, I was just like, we'll get you the basics, like bread, milk. Make sure you're not starving. But we were not – because one lady also made a, a – one mother, she made a request for organic uh, – orange juice it was like nine dollars she was very specific she wrote the brand down and everything too and i'm looking at it like i don't even buy this this is insanely expensive and i had to be very direct with her and tell her i said ma'am with all due respect the groceries you're asking for is about 140 dollars. we can feed several families with that um so even though i appreciate her request i got her the basic necessities and then i said look when you get more money then you can be you know more picky anyway so <laughs> well, that's the truth yeah because yeah, we just want to make sure you're not starving and we want to take make sure you're like you know basic things for the family mm -hmm. um the, and you know what the people that we do love especially to help are those that don't really ask for much for example one time we got a college student that her her classmates picked out the fact that she wasn't eating and they eventually ended up saying, hey, you need to talk to this guy, Bilal, because they could probably do something. And she was hiding it from everyone. She said, no, 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 I'm fine. You know, no big deal. Um, and then eventually uh, somebody gave her my number and then got me in contact with her. And then I spoke to her. And it turns out this chick wasn't eating for over a month. Like she was because what caught what made her fellow peers realize that she wasn't eating. They saw her taking the condiment packets, opening it up and eating it in the cafeteria. So after seeing that for a couple of weeks, they're like, what's going on here? So this is college students. We're talking about the great big national debt issue with the, the students. I mean, and they're still not necessarily always getting enough to eat. Anyway, so when we got in contact with her, I'll never forget. She said, get me one um, knockoff brand or cheap brand of deli slices and uh, just some cheap bread. And that's it. We're talking about she was maybe asking for 
five dollars worth of stuff and she said she can make it stretch for over two weeks i'm like hold on what and then like i said on the converse side you get very very few people that actually go crazy and they're like really way too picky but Mm -hmm. most of the time we're dealing with people like that uh the college student who are not very picky they're taking whatever they can get and they don't ask for much so we end up buying her more we bought her milk and other basic necessities and you know with the families with children sometimes we'll try and buy them ego waffles because you know Poverty is not a death sentence or like some kind of jail where you have to be miserable, like, oh my god, we're poor. I mean, mm-hmm. it's horrible. And you should see how the fathers and mothers' faces, they don't ask for it, by the way. So when we show up with like the, the egos, or sometimes we buy little treats for the kid kids, um, they get really happy. And one father actually started crying. He said, my kids have been going through this for so long, they just, they've gotten used to bare minimums. So he said a treat's a great thing. We got mm-hmm. them some ice cream one time, and the dad just hugged me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I know it's not essential, but it, it, that's why I said we have to recapture that humanity. Because, and you know how much the ice cream costs us? We bought them like not even the fancy ones. It was just I think uh, Bluebell. Not even Bluebell. Blue it was a Blue store Bell. brand. It's the fancy one. Bluebell's the yeah. fancy one. Oh yeah. See how much I know about ice cream. Yeah. So it's just, <laughs> yeah. It was a store brand ice cream, mm-hmm. and uh, I even know store brand had store brand ice cream. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because at one point somebody found out about that and they're like, Oh my god, why are you giving that to them? How could you use that for charity money for them? Like it's that's the whole thing. Charity is about kindness. Mm-hmm. And why are you making the children suffer unnecessarily? Right. So children should be anything. children. Yeah. Yeah. Let them have the best experience they can with mm-hmm. the children. Yeah. I, well, also, another thing is this, we're, we're pro-all-life, uh, basically. Because mm-hmm. at one point, uh, maybe my second year in, people were asking me, why am I running around with dog and cat food? So we feed stray animals, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the cats and dogs will come by the park, and we just, I'd go to my car, pop out a can, they're like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> and I'm like, all life is hungry. And the dogs are mm-hmm. so cool, because they're, they're super chill. At first, they're afraid of, they're more afraid of us, especially the ones that are starving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, once they realize we put out some food, then they're super chill. And then the cats too. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a couple of cats around here that yeah. that, are, that are, my garage doesn't close all the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they'll come in when yeah. the session one's cold. They'll come in yeah. and then just like lay. Mm-hmm. And I'll open in the garage. They look at me. I'll be like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> and they'll just walk on out. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. See you. See you tonight. Yeah. Actually, a lot of people are surprised when they find that out. They're like, Oh wow, we didn't know you guys care about animals. So we're like, Not just animals, all life. Uh, you know, plants are important too. Not that I'm going around specifically feeding plants because we don't need to do that thanks mm-hmm. to photosynthesis. But I don't know. <laughs> so, so many people. No, you know, so, we're laughing, but I'm serious. Like so many people today. They're so not science-based that they're mm-hmm. probably like, what do you feed plants? Um, <laughs> so do you guys go out there and feed the water, too? Because <laughs> I read on this website yeah. that you can feed water now. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just it's just mind-blowing to me. Okay, so he, tying into my product really quickly, because this is so funny. I cannot believe this. So on our Easy Kale label, we have a picture of the United States. Um, so I have had so many people come up to me and say, is your product made in the USA? Yes, it is. Where does it show that on the label? Then I point to the circle with the United States on it. And they're like, I don't know what that is. We've gotten to a point that most people in the United States cannot even recognize what the United States looks like on a map. And one lady I spoke to, she said, oh, I thought that was a beetle. I'm like, hold on, what? A what? A beetle. So we're going to be revamping our label to actually put the flag. And a say, beetle? <laughs> 
Yeah, we're going to put the flag and say made in the USA. But that's bothering me because... Okay, so a lot of people right now, there's a big discussion about illegal immigrants and all that stuff, but a lot of the immigrants I've dealt with, they're like, oh, that's the USA. And I'm looking at them like, wait, this this, this disturbs me. Why is it that our own citizens can't tell what our country looks like on a map, but all the foreigners know exactly what it looks like? Because probably they had to study harder to get in here, I guess. Mm-hmm. It is, at, yes, it yes. is absolutely yes. harder to become a citizen <laughs> yes. than it is yeah. to just be birthed yeah. a citizen. Yeah. yeah. They definitely got to memorize way more stuff than I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They got to yeah. know yeah. laws and presidents for some reason. I guarantee yeah. you every single person who's ever become a citizen mm-hmm. knows more about the United States than I do. Yep. Period. Yeah. Hands down. I know they know way more than me. Well, you know, it's... it's. I know how good a sweet tea can get. <laughs> well, here's the question. Like, how is it that our country has devalued education? Because you mentioned JPS earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's just like education is not a priority anymore. It's to the point that... Um, I have a lot of people come up to me and they're like, oh, by the way, this is science and they're telling me. And I'm looking at them like, no, it's not. Uh, and some of the things that they're talking about, I just have to remain patient. And I'm like, hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's simple fourth grade science. I'm like, what fourth grade did you go to? But I'm just curious. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's just really weird uh, to hear some of the very archaic things that they're mentioning. And I'm like, there's a reason why those practices have become outdated. And they're like, oh, you're the kill guy. You should be supporting all types of alternative medicine. I'm like, no, I'm fact-based. So, also, I'm a scientist. So, even if my thing didn't work, then it doesn't work. I mean, what works and what work doesn't work, I mean, that's what you do as a scientist. You question things and you study things, you analyze, you tear it apart, you build it back up again. And all we do is basically study the world around us. But when these guys and girls just come up with their own stuff and they're so self-convinced and it's just – it's very odd to observe how um, – especially with the Facebook making things so easily accessible in terms of general non-verified information, people just spread that like wildfire. We, we, we just – we just released a podcast about fake news and we went real deep into the yeah. viralness of stuff that sounds good so it must be true I don't even know if it sounds good or oh, it comes from your favorite outlet outlet yeah yeah so it has to be true so it has to be true yeah, yeah. And, and and how no one fact checks anything no one no one fact checks anything exactly no that's, that's a big problem I'm, I'll never forget three weeks ago somebody came up to me and he said oh you're the kill guy I want to talk to you about a scientific I have a scientific question for you I said okay sure he says is it true that we can survive on sunlight alone and look at him and I, I'm not I'm, I have this perplexed look on my face are we Kryptonian well they, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Not only that, I'm just looking at it like, wait, this can't be a serious question. Am I being pranked? And I'm looking around like, where's the hidden camera? Uh No, he was serious. And he's just like, no, I read and I heard that you can just survive the certain monks that just survive purely on sunlight alone. And I'm like, "Uh, we're not plants. We don't function that way. Uh Um, And he's just like, no, plants have a different system. I said, yeah, it's called photosynthesis. And he's like, no, no, there's another system. I'm like, where are these people getting the information from? But, again, that's the thing. Don't judge people because what we could, what we perceive sometimes could be a stupid question. They're genuinely questioning and asking questions. That's a good thing. Let them keep questioning. But um, some of the stuff that he was mentioning and the people that he was saying that he got, got his information from, like, who are these people? And it's not that... Uh, uh, 
it's not the same. It's not devaluing information from the general public because that always has value. Because when people observe things, for example, like the whole kale craze, people liked it because it made them feel good and it made them feel generally better. So then, as a scientist, that makes me question: Okay, let me study the mechanism that could potentially be causing that. Right. Mm-hmm. So they come to us like with raw information, kind of like coal, and then we process it into a diamond. But then we bring it back to them as a diamond and said, hey, let's use this for public use. This is Let's use this for the good of mankind and humanity, the world, whatever. But uh, unfortunately, it seems that um, people sometimes ask questions based upon their ego. So they're not really asking questions. They're just saying, verify what I'm saying and then stamp your degree behind me. Like one person was talking to me about alkaline water. Um, and basically, uh, he was saying that you have a, you have to, as a scientist, support me. I said, I don't have to do anything. And I said, on top of that, he was just talking about disease being uh, in an acidic body and stuff. And I said, do you – and I, then at that point, I said, look, um, let me give you a little crash course on um, – the blood disassoci- oxygen disassociation curve, where basically the more acidic it is, uh, basically the oxygen disassociates from the hemoglobin. So even if you're breathing, it's not really going to where it needs to go. And then when your body is too alkaline, uh, the pH, the blood is too alkaline, the oxygen holds very tightly to the hemoglobin, meaning that even if you're breathing, your hemoglobin is not letting it go. So I said, your body, that's the reason why it works so hard to maintain that delicate balance of pH. And no matter what I said, he's like, no, I've heard about your blood being a pH of two. And I'm like, mm, what? <laughs> yeah. But. Wow. Yeah. But, but see, this is the thing where. And then we have all these uh, different cringe compilations online where we're glorifying ignorance. It's kind of funny. <laughs> really? Yeah. So today's generation is very is, is, Interesting. So yeah. there was a fight that was happening uh, not too long ago, and the first thing the kids started yelling was "World Star." And I'm like, "Wait, <laughs> why is no one stopping these two kids from trying to kill each other?" Right. No, they were pulling the cameras out, ready to go "World Star." World Star. And then uh, the kids started. Well, yeah, I love kids; they're awesome. So they started teaching me about dabbing and all that. <laughs> Yeah. And right now, I'm trying to learn the floss dance move. With I them. can't do that. It's I can't, hard. I can't, I can't, I can't it is so that. hard. Um, oh I was trying to learn uh, the one when you. Like you like fist pumping in the air and you jumping on one leg. <laughs> oh yeah, that's you're hard. Doing that yeah. one. Uh, somebody told me one, the first thing you got to do is move your arm. Yeah. And then you move your head with your arm. Yeah. And then you move your leg. And yeah. You just jump. Yeah. And I did it twice and I got tired. I know. I love it. <laughs> well, those kind of dance moves I love because it is getting them to exercise. So it's making the next generation yeah. super off. Well, you know the kids they're incredibly. Um, Malleable. So when they saw me, the kale guy, talking about, I guess, cringe compilations, they're like, oh my god, you watched that too? I'm like, well, yeah, it's one of those guilty pleasures. I love watching fail compilations, mm-hmm. you know, things like that too on YouTube. And they're like, oh my god. So they connected with me. And next thing you know, they're like, science is so cool. And <laughs> I mean, we need more relatable uh, um, people because a lot of the. the People that are ringing into some of these areas, they're, they're talking down to these kids instead of talking with the kids. Mm-hmm. So you got to talk with them because, you know, the next big breakthroughs are going to be from the next generation, right? So we should be encouraging them instead of saying, well, in my day, who cares about your day? We're here now. Right. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way because uh-huh. that information builds up as experiential knowledge amongst other things to get us to where we are today, right? Yeah. But back, when back they, in your day, we hadn't gotten this far yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's, well, <laughs> That's it. 
<laughs> I love it when they're like, back in my day, I walked 50 miles in the snow just to wipe my butt. And they just, mm, that was, is that the same? No, no, you said it. I've said worse. Yeah. So are they arguing against toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> or shoes? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Elaborate why you're the kale guy. Oh, so we had a, a research breakthrough with the natural vegetable kale. We discovered that it selectively kills melanoma cancer cells in vitro while not affecting non-cancerous cells. That's in a very, very short version of it. Um, we just was award our pat- we were just awarded our patent on March twentieth. So if you Google my name, you'll be able to see that and read that in full detail if you wish. And we're also filing for an additional wall of patents. But who's we? Well, it's mostly me. But our team, uh, I, I like our team, our team, uh, our wonderful team in the company, as well as uh, Dr. Elizabeth Brandon and a whole bunch of other people. But uh, yeah, we work together on this. We're trying to make a difference in the world. So, and we're also trying to protect it to make sure that other people aren't going to steal and then do this insane profiting thing where basically you're shoehorning people into no other option. So we're also publishing our research into uh, on the open, peer, sorry, I can't speak English right now. We're also publishing our research in a peer-reviewed open source format. So let's say you don't have the money, but you have the time. You can basically see my entire research protocol online for free and then basically do what you want with it. But now let's say you do have the money, but you don't have the time. You can pay for our products and get the convenience. Um, Because we never wanted anything uh, like... I don't have the money to be a barrier. So if you have access to the internet, you have access to the internet, you have access to my work. So... Okay, I like that you use the word peer review because mm-hmm. I understand that is uh, like a it's a pillar of the scientific community. Yeah, yeah. So, so you putting your your research out to be peer review, peer reviewed for free. Mm-hmm. Like, is that a common thing, or is it something that you've chosen to do? As- that's something I've chosen to do because this research breakthrough is not about my ego. Uh, and that's another thing. When I was invited up to Yale University to talk at the Global Health and Innovation Conference and a couple other... I'm just conf- not going to let you just say that. He was at Yale, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, one of the things that surprised people, uh, a lot of the doctors and PhDs at the time, is that I was very open with our data. Because, again, like I said, if your mother or your auntie or uncle or, I don't know, nephew were, was dying of cancer, I'm pretty sure you would want to fight with everything you got to help them survive. So at that point, um, like I said, it's not about my ego. It's not about this breakthrough. It's about helping humanity. So that's another thing I have to remind my fellow scientists and peers that we need to get down from the ivory tower. Remember, we are in service to the people. So um, I was very transparent with our data, and that's one of the things that shocked a lot of people because some of the uh, older doctors came up to me and they're like, yeah, people hold their data very close to their chest. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's also because they're cherry-picking data. That's a, that's a problem within our current scientific community, and it's slowly starting to get more exposed over time. And it's not necessarily the scientist's fault because scientists need to eat, so they need to get paid, right? Yeah. So they look for more sensational data that will basically allow them to get published into the more reputable journals, and then that basically leads to a career boost and then they get more money i'll never forget one of the doctors uh from harvard was like you know i'm really glad that you're doing a lot of this work you know at a low or free for free and she's like uh we can't do that because we have families to feed which is a very realistic thing you know yeah yeah. um and because i'll never forget when I, i met one of the um researchers at one of the conferences she told me she had a breakthrough but she was holding off on it because of the timing of her faculty review, and it would basically lead to a larger promotion with an increase in pay. And I'm like, okay, I get what you're doing, but 
I was like, this could help humanity. And you're, you're kind of holding off on that. What's up with that? You know, it's just it's so the monetary thing is real. You know, because like I said, we can't eat good intentions. Right. <laughs> but um, that's the thing. We really need to have a larger focus on education. Like the grant funding in general, like we're talking even basic science has really been dramatically reduced. There's really not a focus so much on education now other than it seems to be people are more focused on using their facts as feelings, which is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, horrifying in the sense that it introduces a tremendous bias. It's great if you're on their side, and it's horrible if you're not, because it's basically the new age witch hunt. Yes. Yeah. So, like I said, when I was over there, people were surprised by the transparency, and I said, look, and I was also giving out our discovery for the most part for free until I was told to stop. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't realize we had something patentable. That's a long story in itself. But um, yeah, I was like, take this and use it for humanity and help others. Because uh, to me, it didn't matter whether my name was on it or not. It's just a matter of if your mother was suffering with cancer and she was able to help herself. I mean, like I said, I'm not legally endorsing anything, but people who are dying will fight for their lives. Mm-hmm. So let give them the best tools that they can use themselves at that point. Um, and I can also speak from a personal point of uh, personal standpoint. So this is the first time I'm ever actually going to talk about this on air. But um, when I was 19, I nearly died from asthma myself. Uh, my asthma became so bad, and we had no idea why. Um, it got to the point that the doctor told me not to expect to live past 24. Um, and then we came across uh, this very interesting experimental research with macrolides. Went through it. Painful, a hell of a painful experience, but I'm still here. I'm 31 now, about to turn 32 soon. Um, but if we couldn't, if we didn't come across that online, uh, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you. <laughs> yeah, so it was a really interesting experience. Um, and the thing is that how expensive it was and the strain, financial strain it put on our family. So that's another reason why I'm very big on giving this discovery out for free because you never know who it could help. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, at, uh, after one of my talks in, here in Clinton, actually, this lady came up to me and she told me, she said, God specifically gave you this breakthrough because God knew what you were going to do with it. And I looked at it and said, okay, ma'am. <laughs> but, yeah, very interesting stuff. Yeah. It's, it, and uh, this isn't a topic we talk about on Reality Breached a lot. Uh-huh. But it's, it's interesting that you say, that you brought up twice, God and prayer. Mm-hmm. And as... as as many positive things that come out of religion, one of the the big things that bothers me that comes out of religion is the inability to reconcile it with science. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it's like a witch, it's it's like a witch hunt. You know, if mm-hmm. you believe in or or if you follow facts and follow ideas and follow what actually happens in nature. Somehow that is anti-religion. <laughs> Depends upon which religion you're following for the most part. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, if you're talking about the most widely available, uh, widely used religions, then yeah, it generally tends to be incompatible. However, um, that's why I always find that fascinating because I'm Muslim. And as I grew up as a Muslim and following Islam, which literally translates to way of peace, I, I don't necessarily i don't necessarily follow what the religious scholars talk about because sometimes these guys live in the stone ages it's like right. um they'll talk about like oh you know 
Prophet Muhammad didn't use a cell phone, so that is basically bid'a, which is innovation. And then you must walk around barefoot because it is sunnah. And all sorts of weird stuff like that. It's just like, what does that add to our life in terms of religious value? And then after a while, like after studying the religion quite a bit, going back to the Quran, I'm like, oh wow, the Quran makes a lot of sense. Listening to the religious scholars, I'm like, hold on, you don't make a lot of sense. And it's just really fascinating to me because I was able to reconcile the differences, mostly with the Quran being very fascinating in terms of how it is very logical. A lot of the questions that I had were answered in the Quran. But again, if you talk to the religious scholars, they're very... I don't know where they're getting their information from. Because <laughs> it's very condemning. It's very limiting. It's incredibly yeah. constricted. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the Quran talks about how men and women have equal rights. Uh, and women are not property. However, if you look at what a lot of the religious scholars say, a woman can't do anything uh, you know, unless it's confined by a man, which... It's very strange because Muhammad's own wife was actually a powerful business owner. Mm-hmm. In fact, she proposed to him. But somehow that just selectively gets erased from everyone's memory. See? And, and, and I'll bet you, because I didn't know that. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, actually, a lot of men wanted to marry uh, Khadija, which was Muhammad's wife, uh-huh. uh, first wife. And actually, she fell in love with him, and uh, she made a proposal. And she actually helped uh, him financially yeah. quite a bit in the beginning. Again... One of the things that you find is that people associate Arab culture with Islam, which is not the case. Islam actually, from the Quran itself, teaches that it has no particular nationality. It's about humanity, period. For example, one of the verses in the Quran that struck me when I read it, where it basically talks about everything in existence having a soul. I'm like, what? (laughs) And there was another verse basically talking about how we're not allowed to harm any soul without justice. So I'm like, huh, that's very interesting. So I can't go and cut down a tree for fun. So if I just want to be destructive, I can't do it. Because according to the Quran, the tree has a soul, and I'm not supposed to harm it. So that means also I don't do hunting, which is another funny thing here in the South, because I've had a lot of men told me, you're not a real man till you hunt something. I've been told the same thing. I'm like, no, I won't hunt. Um, and in fact, actually, a lot of people are surprised about the halal food, for example, because they're like, if you're so, like the kale guy and you're into this whole, you know, peaceful lifestyle, you said, why do you eat meat? I was like, have you ever seen the halal uh, thing? Because first of all, as a, most, of, most of our diet supposed to be vegetables. So meat is a treat. It's an occasional thing. We're not mm-hmm. supposed to be eating it as a main staple yes. of our diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So with halal meat, for example, it's to be halal, which means that the animal... Uh, you have to sacrifice it in the name of God, but also the animal has a choice. So, basically, you have to let the animal free be free-range, basically. It has to eat what it wants and then basically roam around. You can't confine it. Um, so, at that point, you're supposed to be trusting that God has programmed the animal in such a way that it's going to get what it needs for maximum nutrition. The next thing is that you have to give it its last water and last meal. Um, so, basically, the animal is supposed to be in a low-stress state. Um, and then the third part is basically you recite the name of God over the animal and you point it towards the Kaaba. But at that point, um, you can say the name of God in any language. It doesn't matter what language. It matters what's in your heart. And then the animal, if it allows you to sacrifice it, will relax and lay its neck out for you. Like it'll, it'll just chill. And if it doesn't, it struggles, you're not allowed to sacrifice. If you do, that meat is not halal. So uh, most people are shocked by that. They're like, wait, no, we have to use stun guns. And I didn't even know they did all that. And when one woman showed me a video, I'm like, what? And you eat that? <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I, I, even first time when I heard that as a kid, I was like, what the hell? What animals are going to choose to you know, be sacrificed? And then I saw it done in front of me. And I'm like, oh. 
It was really peaceful up until all the blood. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But watching this huge goat, it was just laying there with his neck extended. And I'm like, oh, wow. What? I mean, the guy's holding it down with less than a, like a finger or two fingers, and the animal's just chilling there. And it's just like, <laughs> Yeah, totally different. They One time um, when I was a teenager... One of my friends asked me, did they tranquilize it or something? I said, no, because the guy actually then, he, he tapped the animal and got up and ran off. Well, actually, no, some animals do, <clears throat> sorry, they do resist. And at that point, like I said, you cannot sacrifice them. Because right, basically, right. you're supposed to trust that they have a further duty to do in this world somehow, uh, I guess. So basically, you just let them go and do whatever. They have some purpose that they have to do. Or they're just not ready to go. I don't know. But anyway, so... As you can see, if you follow that process, you can't have a surplus of meat, like a crazy amount anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got a book. Yes. Can you please explain your book? So I have a few books out. Can Com- you please explain your few books? Yes. I have Common Sense Principles, which is just basically about recapturing our humanity. So I talk about the instances with, it's mostly a lot of thought prompts. So it's basically, instead of me giving solutions to the reader, it's letting the reader come up with their own decisions and their own thoughts and uh, solutions. So basically, I'm trying to get people to think harder about some of the common things and recapturing the basic element of humanity. So we, we really overcomplicate things. Where we have this system, that system, this We can't eat good intentions like I said we can't eat prayers we all need to eat sleep poop and other stuff um, so just recapturing what it is that makes us human and then going along those basic human kindnesses kind kindnesses and I also have another book called Prof- Professor Meow Meow where um, <laughs> uh, I'm teaching kids about good manners uh, through my cat which his nickname is Dr. Mew and uh, the reason why I actually made that book is because I saw this kid being a total brat to his mother. And I'm like, um, wow. He's yelling at his mother, no stomping around, throwing things. And he's, he's called, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe this kid's uh, doing that to his mom. Anyway, so uh, I talked to the kid with, her, with the mom's permission and basically I used the cat as the avatar. And the kid loved it. Next thing you know, he's like, please, thank you, mama, and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, wow. So as long as you're not preachy to the kids, because the mom was like, yeah, I've been telling him to say please for a long time. But the kid wasn't just vibing with it. Like I said, not only with, like, how I, with my research, we have to meet people where they're at. So meeting the kids where they're at, they love fun cartoon animals and stuff. So uh, I decided to teach them about good manners through using my cat and pictures of that. Um, And believe it or not, it's not really selling well in the U.S., but it's selling well in Canada. (laughs) Cool. Oh, where manners are valued. Awesome. (laughs) That's what it's all about. (laughs) Oh, man, my friends in Canada are going to hate me for saying that. Um where where um social media platforms and um where where can people follow you? So technically, they can follow me on my Facebook page. I don't use Twitter, but I have one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm lousy on social media, even though now we have an awesome social media team, especially for Easy Kale. Mm-hmm. Um, so Easy Kale is one of the best ways to reach me because we have an active team monitoring things there. Okay. Uh, so it's EasyKale.com. And can you spell that? E A S Y. K A L E. Okay, so it's not like easy, no easy cash or anything like that. Okay, (laughs) no. But uh, you know, actually, something funny. He's talking about kale. I was talking to someone recently about how kale has become like a dating service in a way. uh, In terms of people come up to me and they're like, "Where's your kale source from? Is it organic? Has it been massaged tenderly every day?" And all these crazy questions. But I'm not kidding. So this one lady was asking me all these questions about kale, like where was it? uh, uh, Where's the seed from? 
problems? Are they heirloom seeds? Blah, 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 blah. All great questions. But the minute somebody brought some fried chicken out, she just went and ate it. And I'm just like, huh, you didn't ask what farm did that uh, chicken come from and all that other details. She's just like, well, no, it's fried chicken. I'm like, hold on. This is a weird double standard. (laughs) So I said, you know what? We should make a Tinder for Kale and be like, swipe right. But... <laughs> oh man! Actually, that would that would really really work. Like like just just have a whole dating service called like Hey you Kale. Yeah, where are you from? Have, What's your mama and papa like? Uh-huh. Have the uh, have the uh, um, guy from Lonely Island. Um, yes. Oh my oh, god! Yes. 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 Have your mom yeah. come and be like, Hey girl. <laughs> Where you what type from? of seeds? Where you where you kale from? Where you kale from? <laughs> Swipe right. I'll give you all this healthy goodness. Oh yeah. man, I like a three minute song for like yep. kale puns. Yep. Yep. Oh. Have Justin Timberlake in the back. Can I dice it up like seeds? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we need to bring the kale shaker and then we'll shake a bunch of kale on it. And yeah. Because people have been calling me Kale Bay from the Salt Bay dude. <laughs> and oh, I wish I was joking. <laughs> So this lady asked me, she said, would you take your kale powder and throw it on your forearm? And then I'm looking at her like, why would I do that? That is such a waste of product. It's like, just humor us. And um, especially with the recent weight loss I've had, I've had a lot more attention in that respect. And it's weird. It really is weird. Because I'm not going to go, whoosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. So you, you're not. We we said. Can you say the website name one more time? Oh, Easy Kale. E A S Y K A L E. And your and your and Facebook. I don't know what my Facebook name is. Uh, other I, than Bilal Kizilbash, I think, or Bilal Kizilbash. I have a Facebook page. I, I want to say this because we're friends on Facebook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I don't know the actual link for it, but mm-hmm. um, I generally tend not to add people I don't know. So if I don't know you, then like my page. Mm-hmm. And we can still talk there. And then you can add me because then I know you. Then you know you. Yeah. yeah. Does um, Easy Kill have a Facebook page? Uh, yes, it does. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. It does. What about Are You Hungry? What are if you somebody hungry? wants to come and volunteer? Uh, you can just show up every Friday at 6 p.m. in Smith Park. So mm-hmm. rain, shine, snow, it doesn't matter. We're there. So you don't have to make an appointment. There's no special sign-up. Uh, if you need community service hours, we can take care of that for you, too, because mm-hmm. we are a registered nonprofit. Um, also, in New York, uh, we're doing that every Sunday uh, in, in Brooklyn, New York, at Help mm-hmm. USA. So, cool, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a pleasure. Sergio, I don't know if you feel the same. I think. Oh yes, I think you do because you're giving me that. The, the beard is throwing me off. Sorry, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you look so serious right now. Like you're ready for an argument at any time. You're like that dude that sits at the tables. Like I will argue about anything. So much now, my face matches my actual demeanor. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so um, this has been a pleasure, Blah. Thank you so much for coming no, and, and talking with us. Pleasure is all mine, truly. It is. And Just the positivity. Yeah. Is. I'm envious of your positivity. Yeah, it's radiant. Yeah, it's wow. it's radiant. Radiant's yeah. a good word. Yeah. yeah. I like you guys because a lot of people tell me that I look really mean sometimes until they see me smile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because I'll never uh, forget, at chemistry, actually, this guy came up to me and said, I thought you were, you, you were mean mugging. I said, I was. I promise you I wasn't trying to. But <laughs> he was like, yeah, your size is really intimidating. But he said, you're like a gentle giant. And I'm like, am I really a giant? I'm only six feet. Six feet's pretty common. <laughs> yeah. But, um, People say they've seen Moscow. Like I'm five yeah, six. I'm, so yeah, you're a giant. <laughs> so that's um. I've never I've never had that vibe from you. See, right? I never. try to smile a lot. 
<laughs> that's so weird. Um, but if, if, I, if, if people in you mean mug, what do you think they they, they think you're doing, Robert? Probably t- taking their soul, yeah, and, and, and t- putting in a bag of holding and taking it to Baba Yaga or something. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, oh my God. Um, and I want to also say a quick before we uh, head out. Thank you for all the the restaurants that donate to Are You Hungry? Yes, um, I know Yosef uh, um, uh, 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 personally. I just want to give a thank thank you to him and Jeff Good. I know for Salamukis. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones I'm, I don't I don't know the owners of. But thank you to all the restaurants who um, donate to Are You Hungry on the on the weekly basis. Um, thank you for the volunteers that come out and help. Absolutely. And thank you for you, Bilal, for wanting to actually help humanity because you can't eat prayers. <laughs> that should be and our new slogan. <laughs> can't eat prayers. You can't. And that's, and that's and it's true. And yeah. it's so true. Hashtag. Um, hashtag, hashtag. You can't eat prayers. Hashtag. You can't eat prayers. <laughs> Um, for Sergio Lugo, I'm Robert Morris. Thank you, Bilal. You've been breached, baby. Thank you for listening to Reality Breached. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts, the Black Pocket Podcast and the Reality Breached Local Spotlight, all available on realitybreached.com.